You are listening to Shabbat with Apostle Dwayne on the Just Truth Network. Shabbat with Apostle Dwayne is a weekly Sabbath morning broadcast where you will hear a message from the Lord. Join us now to get a true biblical perspective and reliable encouragement in the things of God. Good morning. Welcome to Shabbat with Apostle Dwayne. Today is the Sabbath or Shabbat. Uh, it is um, a very good time to for us to come and, and spend time with God. You know, he commanded us to give him the seventh day. And, um, you know, so that's what we're doing. Um, my name is Apostle Dwayne Hughes. Uh, this is my ministry, um, uh, Just Truth with Apostle Dwayne. And here on my ministry, my my goal is to just be obedient uh, to the Most High and say what He's told me to say and give you wisdom and give you uh, strength for for the battle that you face. Every one of us, every every person, <clears throat> every person is in a battle. Every person is enduring trials and and struggles. And it's the battles and the, and the trials and the struggles that actually makes whatever you're doing. That's what gives it the importance. You know, a lot of times we um, we go through things without recognizing that there's a value in the adversaries that you that you face. It's kind of like when you uh, drink um, Kool-Aid that doesn't have enough of the actual Kool-Aid stuff in it, you know, like that, uh, they used to have this other brand. Uh, I don't know if they still have, it. it's been years since I drank Kool-Aid or anything like it, but there was Weilers, there was this brand Weilers and, and it just wasn't as bitter as Kool-Aid. Like if you tasted the Kool-Aid out of the packet, it was just way too bitter. But once you dilute it in the water and you add the sugar to it, it, it had a nice tangy balance to it. And and so life can't all can't be all sweet. You got to have enough bitter to balance out the sweet. So you have sweetness and bitterness. It, it, they 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 um, they how do I say they um, not accentuate they 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 basically they go together. Okay, so if your life is all bitter and you have no sweetness in it, that's bad. If your life is all sweet and there's no bitterness in it, that's bad because neither one of those is realistic. We're all going to have both good and bad things. And so recognizing that bad things are going to come in your life, that you're going to have bad things happen and that you're going to have to be ready for bad things. It's wise. It's like, uh, for instance, if you have a a a team of any kind in the sports, you know, if you practice, you, you, you play the way you practice. That's the old saying. A lot of people say that, but, but if your practices are tougher than the games and if your practices are tougher than your opponent's game play, you're going to win because you're preparing for something that's greater than the actual struggle and the trial that you face. Now, where this affects us in our daily life is we're all gonna incur struggles and trials that the, the end goal of those 
struggles and trials is to destroy you destroy your dreams destroy your hopes destroy your reputation destroy your name destroy your possessions destroy your family destroy your faith get you to turn your back on god the, the enemy's going to bring everything and 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 more to try and get you to change your confession now some of you may not have made a confession yet you may not have decided that you want to give your life to the lord maybe after this message you'll make that decision because this is you know my job is you know evangelistic in that the word of god goes forth and it does stuff it's kind of like if you have a soup and you start to put seasoning in it when you season that soup if you put salt or something else in there and it doesn't change it something's wrong because that salt automatically as it breaks up and disperses throughout whatever that that thing is it adds saltiness but if you put salt on there and nothing happens, some, that's not salt. You probably got some kind of who knows what you got in there. OK. And likewise, the salt isn't actually. The salt isn't isn't um, salting or it's not changing the flavor of of whatever that that thing was that you put the salt on. What's happening is the salt as it's being dispersed you taste that salt where it's at so the salt is just dispersed it didn't change the flavor it, it becomes the part of the flavor and so likewise as you go through trials and things and the lord takes you and makes you and whatnot he sends you into places and you become salt you become salt and light and and whatnot light 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 doesn't change a room it disperses itself into a room and the room and then you can just see stuff now but the light didn't change the room it didn't add anything to the room that wasn't already there all it did was illuminate the room and so what he does is he sends us into places to be salt to change the flavor and light to change what we see or to bring revelation or to open things up that's the word of god the word of god is so amazing in that the scope of everything that is in it is it's it's unlimited it's unlimited in power it's unlimited in wisdom unlimited in knowledge now keep in mind it's limited in context like something is said in a specific context you got to understand it in its right context so you can apply it in the right place that's like the scripture says rightly dividing the word of truth you have to rightly understand it you got a lot of people who get into the word and because they're not led by God they're not empowered by God they're not indwelled by God they can't understand it all they get is confused and then they take that confusion that they had and go give it to other people and the problem that a lot of people are having right now with not believing the word of God is because they're not hearing it from someone who actually understands it or who's been given it to them to reveal it and so and so that creates a lot of conflict because there's people who think that the word of God is irrelevant, that it's not, that you can't live by it and whatnot. And unfortunately, you know, that there, there's just a lot of that in the world today. And so my assignment is to bring you truth, to illuminate the word of God, not to change it, not to add to it, not to take away from it, but to get into it and hear from him and give you revelation 
And so that's what my ministry is to do is to get into the word of God and help you get it so that you can go and therefore get empowered in your life and help other people get it. Because every one of us is called to become a disciple. Okay. And so uh, in today's message, um, I'm going to be talking about the making of a disciple. This morning, as I was in, in prayer and meditation about what I was going to talk about today, uh, that's what the Lord gave me, you know, the making of a disciple. And as I was in prayer and just kind of going before him and, and, and find out what he wanted me to talk about, he hit me with a question because at, at one point I was like, okay, God, what do you want, what do you want me to talk about? And I was, and I was actually praying to him about some things that are, that are uh, concerning me in my life and, and, and what's going on and where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing and, and all these things. And, and I wasn't really hearing anything. You know, sometimes you come to God and you'll ask him about something and he doesn't say anything to you about what you ask him about. He'll just tell you about something else. And he does that. You know, I've, I've you know, for years, uh, uh, it, well, for years, I would go through that where he'd be silent on one thing and he'd talk on something else. He'd say, go do this. And you're asking, hey, but what do I do about this? And he'd say, yeah, go, go over here. And it's like the way God trains us is experiential. One, one of the things he does is he opens a word to us and he speaks to us, those who hear him and um, those who listen. And he speaks to us. And another thing that he does is he puts you in situations and then he gives you an experience. Okay, so some of what we do is experiential. Some of what we 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 learn is is through reading and meditation and 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 meditating on the word, not meditation, meditating on the word, where you read the word and you pray about it and you think about it, okay, and you focus on it and you focus on applying it. That's meditating on the scripture. And so so some of what we do is he puts us in a place where you have to go through a trial or, or something or an experience of some kind. And what happens is because he he does this with all true believers, you know, when you're talking to a true believer, because there's that salt. There's that special salt that when they're talking about an experience that they went through with God resonates with you because your experience may have been different. But you know that same salt. There's just something about that thing that 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 you understand and you can relate to. And so, you know, when you're talking to another true believer, because that's that's what God does. He makes sure that, you know, you know that you're talking to another believer because he he's sending you through things that will drive you crazy. And he's doing the same thing with them, too. OK, and so sometimes like this morning, I was praying about some things in my own life that I wasn't hearing on. And then I was also asking him about the message I was supposed to bring today. And, and and he was silent for a little while. And then I was like, Lord, you know, I need to hear something. <laughs> and then a question uh, was dropped into me. How do you conduct yourself when you're alone and no one is speaking to you? And so here's why this is important. As a disciple, well, let, let me take a sidebar first. There's a man I know, a uh, pastor, 
And one of these times when I was going through this situation where I wasn't hearing from God, he said, he said to me, now, sometimes you have people who will say things that, you know, oh, well, you must be, there must be something wrong with you. You must be doing something wrong. There must be something wrong in your walk. You got a lot of people who are quick to bring condemnation in a situation and they don't even know. They just, they're just supposing it's kind of like what Job went through. Here, Job, the, the scripture said he was perfect and upright. God said he was perfect and upright. And he told Satan, what about Job? Have you considered him? He's perfect and upright. I know I said that a few times, but I just want you to know, it, it said a few times he's perfect and upright. And Satan said, well, let me touch his stuff. And then he'll curse you to your face. And God said, okay, go ahead and do it. He didn't do it. And he said, well, you know, if you touch his body. And so he made him sick. God said, okay, go ahead. And he did it. And, and, and still, Job didn't blaspheme God. But then all of a sudden, Job's friends showed up. And Job's friends started saying, well, there must be something that you did. Come on, tell us. You know, and and it's not that that they always do that. But but you got a lot of people who are waiting to try and find something. There's got to be something wrong with this person. You know, and sometimes what you have to understand is is in the will of God, sometimes bad things happen to good people. First of all, none of us are good, according to the scripture. But you look at Joseph. Joseph ended up in slavery in, in Egypt and then becoming, you know, the, the president, prime minister of the country. Why? Because that was God's plan for him. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, he, he sometimes bad things happen to good people because that's part of the plan of God. And so I was going through this time where I was praying and I was like, I wasn't hearing anything. God was talking to me about all kinds of other stuff. But the things that I was praying about, he didn't say nothing. It was just crickets. And so I was talking to this uh, one pastor and he says to me, he says, when a teacher, he says, when is the teacher quiet? I said, I don't know. He said, when they're given a test. The teacher is always talking until it's time for you to take the test. The teacher will tell you about a concept, explain it to you, give you information on it. But once the testing begins, the teacher can't tell you nothing. Now it's, did you get the information? Can you, in the circumstance, you know, make the right decisions in those circumstances? And so, um, and so when God dropped that into my spirit this morning, I understood exactly what he wanted me to talk about. Okay. It's when you're in the testing, when you're in the testing, he's going to be silent. And this is critical for you to know in the making of a disciple, because every person that he is, he calls to become a disciple means you get disciplined by him. Okay. The discipline of God is it, it's, it's you know, a lot of times we think about discipline and we think punishment, but that's not a uh, discipline is not just punished. Sometimes that's part of discipline. Yeah. You have the authority to punish. OK, you had the authority to, to make a judgment and administer a punishment, but that's not all a discipline is. Sometimes discipline is training. Uh, you know, like when you, when you talk to uh, like professionally, a doctor, that's a discipline. Medicine is a discipline. I mean, uh, uh, um, uh, what is it? Um, engineering, archaeology. These are all disciplines. 
Okay. And so a lot of times what we think of discipline is not, is only part of it, the negative aspect of it, but there's a good, a good side to, there's a good side to discipline too. The good side to discipline is, is the training and the enrichment and the preparation that you get that helps you become somebody that you would not have been without it. Okay. And so we, what we, what we should have is a, is a proper healthy mindset when it concerns being a disciple. Okay. So let, let me explain the disciples. We, we know who the 12 disciples were, but there were actually hundreds of disciples. You know, he sent 70 out two by two. He met with 500 of them. Uh, after he was resurrected. So there were hundreds of disciples, but there was the 12 original, the 12 apostles. Okay. And, um, and he spent three years, three years walking with them, talking with them, showing them, th telling them things, and then demonstrating for three years, 24 hours a day. And he was, doing things that we don't even talk about now. He was, he was, he was, uh, casting out demons. He was laying hands on the sick. He was doing miraculous things, you know, cursing a tree and it died. He, you know, tell P Peter to go take a, a, a hook on a line on a fishing line and go to the ocean and throw it in to the ocean and pull up a fish and then Peter, with no bait. No bait on the hook. Just go throw the hook. He goes and does that. Peter pulls in the fish, and the fish had a gold coin in his mouth. Peter came back with the gold coin. He said, okay, now take this and pay for us. You know, God knows where every dime is. He can send a fish to go, go fetch it for you. And that fish died. I, I, don't, well, I don't know. Maybe Peter threw it back. I don't know. But but he was a fisherman, so he probably didn't. Um, that was probably dinner on top of it. But the bottom line is that fish, he, he went and did what he was told. You know, God knows where every dime in the world is and he can he can he can send a fish to bring it to you. Um, but the point is, but he was doing miraculous things, walking the miraculous, talking in the miraculous. And teaching them all these advanced principles that are not normal for us to think about. OK, and so he did that for three whole years, 24 hours a day. He was with them, training them. They were being disciplined. They were being made into disciples. They were being made after his image. Okay. Um, and so that's very, very, very important. The, the, the most important thing that you can be as a believer in Christ is a disciple. That means he is remaking you in his image. He's taking old Dwayne out and putting in new Dwayne that he planned before I was born. That's me. You just insert your name is. He's taking old, whatever your name is, out and putting in new, uh, whatever your name is, that he planned. That's why the scripture says uh, that in him, that, <clears throat> that all things, old things are passed away and all things are made new. That's also what it means by being renewed in your mind. Okay, now these are things that I teach and the uh, on the show that I do on Thursday mornings at eight and um, manifesting the mind of Christ. But understand that the discipleship process 
is for every believer in the Messiah, Mashiach. Every believer is going to go through a process that will either drive you crazy or make you quit or make you strong. It's one of the one of the three. One of the three. And if you go crazy, you you quit. Either you're going either you're going to stay strong or you're going to tap out. One or the other. He's going to separate you from those who are real by hardship and trial and struggle. And so part of that, though, is he'll give you all this training and then he'll make you take the test. And when he makes you take the test, either it's through his silence or, or, or wherever, there's all kinds of different ways that those tests come. But in that time, now you have to take what's been stored up, what you stored up inside of you. Now you got to pull from there. Sometimes, you know, uh, one of the, one of the, well, hold on, let me get back on track. Okay, so there's a few things I'm going to talk about. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is you can't make it without the goodness of God. Okay, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, here Romans 2 4 or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance now I'm gonna read verse 2 um, just so you can hear it in context and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things and doeth the same, that thou can escape the judgment of God? Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Okay. And so if we despise his goodness, you know, if we get lifted in pride and, and judge people and whatnot, you know, the bottom line is you can't make it without his goodness because it's his goodness that leads you to repentance it, repentance without repentance there's no remission of sin if you don't change if you don't change then okay let me say it another way his grace so we all start out jacked up and the the starting line for a believer is is recognizing that you're jacked up and recognizing that you need to turn away from from what you're doing because you want to receive God's goodness and you want your life to be made right. You want to be cleaned up. You want to get a new start. And so the first step to that is you got to be willing to repent and 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 turn away from a bunch of other things. And the only reason that that's even that that even matters is because God will honor that. He'll accept your repentance. You can't undo what you did. But he'll accept the fact that you apologize for it and that you said you're never going to do it again, that you admitted you're wrong and that you humble yourself. He'll accept that. Even though you can't undo what you did, you can't unkill that person. You can't unsteal that thing. You can't unlie. You can't, un, you know, but he'll 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 accept you really being repentant about it. And then that's the starting line. OK, so without his goodness, 
without his grace, without his forgiveness up front, you don't even get on the starting line. Okay. And so the goodness of God, if you don't have that, none of the rest of it matters. Now, the, the, and I guess there's a reason to make this point is because there's, just, there's some people out there who don't think that they ever did anything wrong, that they've never done anything wrong, that they don't owe anyone an apology, that they, that there's no one that they need to, to admit that they, that they sinned against. And someone like that, they're not even on the starting line. They're, they're, they're dead. They're alive, but they're dead. They're just waiting for the dirt to hit, you know? And so, you know, you can't make it without the goodness of God. The first thing you got to do is be repentant to even get on the starting line. You got to receive his grace. That's why he said, if anyone would come after me and be my disciple, he must first humble himself, then deny himself, then take up his cross and follow me. Okay. And so, so you got to have that. The second thing is, okay. Um, so you're going to go through a certain amount of struggle and trial. Period. We're all going to do that. You just have to understand that up front. There's going to be a certain amount of struggle and trial in my life, regardless of whether I'm a Christian or not, regardless of whether I love God or not. Everybody's got struggle and trial that the, the scripture says what has happened to you is that which is common unto man. It's common. Everybody's going to have struggle and trial. But as a believer, you're going to have an extra level added on top of that. OK. And the reason for that is because you also have an enemy that's going to do everything he can to get you to change your confession. OK. He's going to bring everything at you, everything in the world. He's going to he's going to bring at you to get you to deny Christ before men. And Jesus said, if, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father who's in heaven. And so right now I'm telling you that the struggle and the trials and things that you're facing, it's not your fault that they're too hard for you to do in your own power. Because it requires the hand of God. It requires the, the God of the universe to help you do it. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You can't make it without me. But if I'm with you, then you can overcome. Okay, so I'm going to come back to this part about um, the strength and the, and, and, and the trials. I'm going to come back to this because this is very important. Okay, and so there's another scripture that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Okay, excuse me. So one man sharpens another. Now, the reason that is important is because not only can you make it not make it on your own without God, you can't make it on your own without other disciples helping you to become a disciple. This thing has been laid on, you know, Jesus laid hands on the first disciples and breathed on them. And, and it's been a continual handoff up till today. You should be able to track who it was that came to you and talked to you about God and helped you get on the road to start to, to hearing from him. You shouldn't be able to find that person. I don't care if you saw it on TV or, or, or bumped into an old lady at the shopping mall or, or whatever. Somebody was instrumental 
and you first hearing about God in a way that made sense. Okay. And, be, and, and that person got it from someone else. It's been a continual handoff all the way down to you. And so on one hand, you're part of a link in a, in a long, you're a link in a long chain. Okay. Now there's a saying that goes about uh, chains. It said, uh, uh, it said a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Okay. So this is important. This is an important principle. I'm going to come back to that too. I'm going to talk about that. And then, so what happens when you do fail? What happens when you get to the point and you make a decision and either decision, it was sinful, it was wrong or something and you fail? What happens when that happens? What do you do? Okay. What happens when you do fail? All right. So now think of this. I'm, I'm talking, I'm saying all this in the context of the making of a disciple. Okay. All right. So now let me get back to the part I was telling you about with uh, regards to the making it with other people or you can't make without other people. So the discipleship process is a life on life thing. Someone, you know, you have to be willing to and like in the, in the iron sharpening iron. Okay. So for iron to be sharpened, you know, do you understand what the process is for iron to be sharpened or like for, for sharpening a knife? So let's say you got this dull blade. It's just like, it's just flattened and, and curved, right? Well, you don't like push the metal up to a point. And now it's got a sharp edge on it. That's not what happens. What happens is you rub that metal, that dull blade, you rub it against a surface and the friction on that surface removes, it cuts away at the, at the metal until a sharp edge is revealed. So the process of iron being sharpened is the process of friction is wearing away all the excess until there's a real sharp point. And so a lot of times what people don't understand about the iron and sharpening iron is so, so if you understand that, first of all, if you understand that point, the friction, you know, you understand that there's a certain amount of friction that you're supposed to have, that you're supposed to be for other people to be sharp, but it's not just for them to be sharp. You got to receive a certain amount of friction in order for you to be sharp. And so what that means is I might lose a little metal and you might lose a little metal and together we get sharp. So that's that's the that's what iron sharpening iron is. That's how one man sharpens another is that you have to be in contact with people. That can sharpen you. People aren't going to tell you that your breath smells good when it doesn't. People aren't going to tell you that what you did was right when it wasn't. People are going to be, you know, uh, resolute in who they are enough to be able to tell you the truth. You need that. You need people around you that'll tell you the truth. Now, certain people, they can't stand people around them telling the truth. They only want yes men. Dictators are like that. They only want yes men. They only want people to say yes. 
whatever you said, boss, that was good. But a disciple is not someone like that. A disciple has to have the truth. Because at times, God will send you into a place alone. And if you haven't been sharpened, if you haven't had the 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 to deal with someone to to help you get right when you get out there alone and you're by yourself you're liable to make every dumb decision in the world and so we have to embrace the accountability process accountability is like a guardrail to keep you from going over a cliff nobody complains about a guardrail when you're on a mountain pass Nobody complains about all oh, that guardrails keeping me from doing whatever I want to do. No, you're you're happy that the guardrails there in case you make a mistake, you don't go over the cliff. That is what accountability does. That's why you want to be around people that can sharpen you. Okay. Now there's another part that goes with that too. So let's say you are in an environment where you've got, you know, not a lot of real strong people strong in the word, who are, who, who are doing things. What you're going to find is that you will be tempted to dumb down whatever you are, whoever you are. People who are, who are like worldly and, and, and just, you know, um, you know, not serious. You can't have a good conversation with somebody like that. If you're a thinker, if the spirit of God is churning on the inside of you and giving you great big things to do and accomplish and whatnot, you can't even, I mean, you'll, you can't even survive in an environment with a bunch of people who, who all they do is just run at the mouth and talk about nothing. What happened on TV? Whose new album? What was on the game last week? And all this other stuff. When people are dying, when we're seeing life and death happen, when we're seeing, you know, uh, people get shot 60 times by a cop. And uh, by, by a bunch of cops. And at the same time, you see somebody go and shoot up a parade and, 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 and go to jail. You know, I mean, when you're seeing all this death and, and things happening around you, it's, it's hard. It's hard to just think about the game. It's hard to talk about the Kardashians and what was on TV last night. You know, it's, I mean, when you got serious stuff happening and, and, and you're and it's churning on the inside of you that you need to be active in your life and in your family's life and in other people's lives. And then and all you're doing is hanging around with people that 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 that. It didn't even matter if they woke up that day. I mean, there, there's something about that. You, you feel like a, a fish out of water, like a like a duck hanging around with a bunch of a bunch of chickens. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like an eagle hanging around with chickens. If you're an eagle, you got to be around other eagles. You got to leave those those duck and chicken environments. Those those are food for for an eagle, and they know it. They know that you don't fit. You might be in that chicken coop, clucking on the side of them and eating that chicken feed, just like them, because you're hanging out with the chickens. But those chickens are doing. They're eating that chicken feed, and they're doing this number. They're looking at you the whole time because they know that at any moment you might wake up and eat them all because you're an eagle. An eagle don't hang out with chickens. Okay, a disciple is an eagle. A disciple is not no uh, just just somebody who's just trying to, you know, don't care about their life. 
because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. He's churning up inside of you, and he's not going to let you be uncomfortable. He's not going to let you be comfortable in an environment like that. He's not going to even let you fake the funk. Either you will kick yourself out of there or they will. Because you're just going to be too deep for them. You're going to be talking about stuff that they don't want to, they just want to, you know, get along. But a disciple is not like that. A disciple is called to do the same thing Jesus did. You're going to be made in his image. You go into tough places. You do tough things. Because he's going, he's going to take you there. He's going to send you into places. And you can go in there and just try and get along. And a conflict is still going to come and find you. Have, have you ever noticed that? That you can be in a place not even saying anything to anybody. And then all of a sudden a bunch of uh, uh, stuff just pops off around you. And it's like it's all your fault. Well, that's because God is at war. As a disciple, you have to understand that the devil is at war. God is at war and the devil's at war. You're not going to be at peace. You are not going to be at peace because the two sides that are fighting over you are at war. You're going to have war. And so the best thing you can do is to separate yourself from those that aren't going in that same direction and find a bunch of strong people that can cut you. That, that you know, are going to tell you the truth and you're going to hear it. Because then what's going to happen is that that puts you in an environment to start to multiply. Okay. And so what, let me go back to the chain analogy. And so if you're a link in the chain, you want to be on a strong chain. And then make it up in your mind that you refuse to be the weakest link. Am I making sense? You make it up in your mind that I'm going to go find some strong people that can pull me. And I'm going to be pulling just as hard as any of them. I don't care, care whether you're a man or a woman. There's only two, by the way. Only a man, only a woman. Okay? I don't care which gender you are, man or woman. Whatever you're born, man or woman. But... If you're a link in the chain, you want to find some strong links to go hang out with and then make it up in your mind to not be weakest among them. And if everyone around you is making it up in their mind that they're going to not be weaker than you and you're making it up in your mind, you're not going to be weaker than them. Then what happens? Everybody gets stronger. I mean, I was in a squadron when I was in the Navy and and. The, we had a new commander come in. We were the worst, one of the worst in the whole, in the whole Navy. And then we had this new commander come in and we became the best. I know what that looks like. It, it just breeds. When you have vision projected and, and, and things like that, it causes you to wherever you are in your part, you hear, if you're hearing vision and you're seeing strength, it causes you in your own part to start to, do the same thing. And next thing you know, so from him down, everybody in the in the uh in our whole unit was thinking about being the best of the best. It was like a show place. No matter where you went in our in our unit, it was a, it was you saw amazing things. And that's what happens when you are in an environment where it's just a lot of eagles. 
But if you're hanging around chickens, some you're gonna either you're gonna dumb them down, or they might come along and decide to become eagles. But in most cases, either you're gonna get dumbed down or get kicked out to where you're supposed to be. Okay. And so and so God, if you're a disciple, God is gonna put you in these places where you're gonna go through these processes, and the and the and and then at a certain point. At a certain point of, of pouring into you lesson after lesson after lesson, teaching after teaching after teaching, then he sends you to by yourself to go take a test. The tests are always by yourself. Your test will be by yourself. Now, sometimes you'll be amongst other people taking the same test, but the test is still individual. It's still going to be, are you that weak link? This, am, am, I hope I'm making sense to you, but what I'm trying to explain to you is sometimes God is not going to tell you something. You might get used to him telling you everything. And then other times he'll just not say anything. And the reason he's doing that is because if he tells you everything, how do you know that you know? He knows. He knows whether you know or not. He knows whether you've learned or not. He knows everything. There's nothing that he doesn't know. And so sometimes he puts us in situations, or I won't say sometimes, he a lot of he all the time. He puts us in situations where we learn. That trial that you're going through, I, you know, I hear people say say it, and I don't think that they mean it wrong, but it comes out wrong. That God put you in a situation to see what you would do. No, he already knew what you were gonna do. He put you in that situation. So you could see what you were going to do. So you could come to the place of recognizing, oh, I ain't got that. I need to fix that. Because if, if you don't get to that place, there, you know, you know, it, it has there, there's a certain amount of requirement that God has placed on you to be involved in your processes. OK, and so he's going to put you in situations that are too big for you. He's going to put you in situations where you think you got it and you don't. I used to manage a dealership and I had started out training these salespeople to do everything. And because my process was so good and I had been helping salespeople make it in that, in that industry for so long that a lot of times they thought it was easier than it actually was. Or so like, for instance, I would give someone all this great information and they'd start out winning. And because they started out winning, they thought it was easy. They didn't respect the information I gave them. And eventually they failed because they turned away from it because they, they thought it was too easy and, and, and they started doing it their own way. And next thing you know, they couldn't find their way back. And so to avoid that cycle, what I started to do was I would let people, I would hire people and I would give them the minimum amount of training. Here's the keys. Here's the cars. Here's the process. You take someone through yada, yada, yada. Now go sell them a car. And I would let them fail for a week or two. I'd let them, I'd let them get to the point where they're about to quit because it's not normal. It's not natural to be good in sales. People think that you, you just have to be able to talk a lot. And that's not the case. You got to know how to help people get what they want in a way that they trust you. Okay. And so, and, but, it, but because of fear 
and whatnot. You everybody does everything wrong. We 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 laugh at jokes that aren't funny. We we don't tell people the honest truth. We don't say no, man. You got a ki- wife and kids. You don't need that sports car. You got to get a minivan. You know, it's that 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 honesty is what that person needed at that time. But instead, we'll try and help them get that sports car, knowing that they're gonna bring it back. <laughs> you know, because you know by the time they get home. Their wife or a significant other like, what are you doing? You know, and so and so the bottom line is I would have to train them in what is not natural. It's how to be honest, even if it means you're going to lose. That's what people want. People want somebody who's going to tell them the truth. They'll send they'll send their family, everybody they know to you. But if you are just another one of these shysters out there trying to pick their pocket, they'll pick up on that. And they're not going to buy with you. And so what I would do is I would let them fail. I, I start to I, I, I change my process. I let them fail for a couple of weeks and I, and I let them get to the point where they're just about to quit. And then I would teach them. And so not only did they appreciate the training. But then they knew the difference because they had they had already bumped up into the wall of failure. They knew the difference. And so then I. Uh, they would not only appreciate the training, but they would hold on to it. And it would be part of who they were from that point that they would understand that this is, I'm supposed to be a person of integrity no matter where I'm at. Because this is the kind of thing that is going to go with me forever. That's the kind of thing God does with a disciple. He's taking you through processes to prove you and train you in a way that you're going to hold on to no matter what. And so sometimes that's going to happen in a place where he's not telling you anything because you got to get the test. The test is going to come. And so, okay. So I've told you that guy's going to make a disciple, you know, the this a process to making a disciple. I've explained to you that he's going to put you in situations where uh, you're not going to hear him talk to you because he's giving you a test. I've explained to you that if if it were not for his goodness, that you couldn't be in the process at all anyway. If it wasn't for, you know, him forgiving you, you know, and, and deciding to allow you to join the team, you know, you wouldn't even be there. And I've also talked to you about the, the process of, of, of iron sharpening iron, being around people that can, uh, that not only can uh, help you, give you friction so you stay sharp, but then you reciprocating, giving them friction so they can stay sharp, okay? And uh, the last thing I wanna talk to you about is failure. So what happens when you fail? Okay, so the scripture has a lot to say about this. It has a whole lot, a whole lot to say. And so I'm not going to give you every scripture, but I do suggest that you uh, get this little app. It's called the Blue Letter Bible. blueletterbible.org. The great thing about this app is that it has 
so much information in it. It's got concordances. It's got everything. And, and it's amazing. You got, it's got different um, translations of scripture. It's got, you know, interlinear. I mean, there's just so much that it's in there. But if you pull up the Blue Letter Bible and you put into the little search bar, time of trouble, and then you just hit search, it's going to bring up all these great scriptures that talk to you about being in a time of trouble. Okay. And one of them is that the one of them that really speaks to me is in see there's Psalms, Proverbs. Um hold on. It says, if your strength fails in a time of trouble, your strength is small. Okay. If your strength fails in a time of trouble, um, your strength is small. Proverbs 20, verse 10. Okay. So now let's talk about that. Let's talk about failing in a time of trouble. The time when you need to be the best is in times of trouble. Let's say you're on an NBA team and you're um, in the playoffs. So here you won enough games in the regular season to now make it into the playoffs. The playoffs, it's it's everything's taken to the next level. Same thing in college basketball. You got March Madness. Same thing in in uh, in college football. You got the bowl games and things like that. It's when you get on that extra high stage. So here you're already in the NBA or or whatever professional arena. Maybe you're a surgeon. And now you got to do this once the, the first time anyone has ever done this surgery, separating uh, twins that have been connected at the hip or something like that. Something no one's ever done before. Here you are, you're, you, you're already on this professional stage and now you got to do something that requires every single thing to go right or someone dies or you go home or, or, you know, you're kicked out of the playoffs or, or something. We're always going to be in these types of situations where, or, or I don't want to say always, but there's, there's, there's going to be situations in your life where, where the stakes are so high that you get it right. You got to get it right, right then, or everything just fails. It's, it, it goes bad. Well, that's a time when your strength needs to be at its zenith. It has to be, you have to be the strongest you've ever been mentally, physically, spiritually. You got to be, be just ready. Well, how do you get there? You go through the practices. You go through the games. You go through the games that aren't that serious. 
you go through the regular season you win some you lose some you come back you play hurt you play you play you're you're physically in good shape sometimes you're, you're in pain sometimes you know sometimes you got stuff going on at home sometimes you got stuff going on at work wherever you're going to have things come at you from every single direction and and the best thing to do is is when you make mistakes make those mistakes when they're small make them on the small stage make them in hiding make them when nobody knows who you are and that's what god does god takes you through a process of breaking he takes you through a process of 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 sending you into situations where you make the wrong decision and you got to learn from it but the stakes are small it only cost you a hundred dollars that time or a thousand dollars it's better than you making a million dollar mistake god is going to send you through things at your level so that as you master it at that level then you can go to the next level and the next level and the next level and the next level while the people around you have it easy i've seen that i mean i've been in situations where i was struggling in all kinds of ways and and, and everybody else just you know you know people who don't didn't know god weren't even thinking about god i mean their lives weren't, weren't like it was on autopilot i mean it's like god why are you sending me through all this it's because he was preparing me to go to a stage and a level that they're not going to be he's preparing me for a life and death assignment that in out of my ministry a lot of people's lives are going to depend on me knowing what to say me having the experience of being in, in a in a crazy situation to be able to say hey look this is what you do you see that that's why you know um i mean i can think of all the, these crazy trials that i've been through i've been in cars that caught on fire i had a car i was driving a little mazda rx7 uh the the part of the engine wasn't working the compression was bad and it was spitting out raw fuel into the exhaust the exhaust would glow glow red hot you could see it at night it was just glow it was it was hot in the car. It was like 200 degrees in the car. And I didn't realize that this thing is spitting raw fuel into the exhaust. So one day I was driving in Texas. It was a 100 degree day. And uh, I saw plastic dripping from the bumper. I didn't realize what that was. <laughs> I could smell plastic, you know. But I kept driving. Next thing I know, someone passes me in a big truck. Goes, beep, beep, you're on fire. I look out my my. Uh, side view mirror and and there it is the whole back corner of the car is on fire you know what do you do in situations like that besides well i got out of the car of course and put the car out but the bottom line is sometimes you're in situations that just don't make sense sometimes god is going to put you in a place where you're going to go through something and you're just gonna uh it, it's gonna force you to learn he's going to put you in situations and force you to learn because he's making a disciple and the goal is to be that even when he does not say anything that you've learned the lesson so well that you've got the scriptures written on your heart so well that you put them into practice so well that you've been in contact with people who can sharpen you so well and you've been sharing in the sharpening of others so well that when you are alone you can do it right that when you're in amongst people you can do it right that when you 
when he's talking to you, you can do it right. When he's not saying nothing, that you can do it right. He's making a disciple. He's making a disciple. And disciples, uh, you know, the scripture says a brother is born for a time of trouble. So understand trouble is 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 part and parcel of you being a believer. Now, there's a lot of people uh, I, I want to contrast something I'm saying right now. There's a lot of people to try and tell you, oh, you know, life is good. Be happy and everything's fine and and all this other stuff. When you know that's not real. And they say, oh, if you come to Jesus, turn your life over to Jesus, everything will go perfect. You won't have any more trouble. You get your car back. You know, the, the country record will start playing backwards. You get your car. You, your wife will come back. Your kids are going to love you. And everything's going to be kumbaya on earth. And, and everything will be fine here. Your best life now. That's not real. Jesus never told anybody, come follow me, and your life's going to be better. He, he Matter of fact, I heard Derek Prince teach this. Jesus was in the... Uh, in the um, in the exclusionary process. You ever told anybody come follow me? He kept telling them, look, if you come follow me, it's tough. It's going to be tough. In this life, you will have trouble. You know, you know, you got to deny yourself. I'm only picking the best. I mean, that's the kind of stuff he said, because that is what is true. And God wants you to know what is true. He wants you to come to him, but not because you think everything's going to be perfect. It's, he wants you to come to him because it's worth it. He wants you to come to him because the price that Christ paid in your place was worth it. He wants you to come to him even if nothing ever changes. Because you, you believe in his word. He wants you to come for that reason. He only wants those who are going to come and step into the fight. Only the ones who are only going to be there for, for, for others. Who are going to honor his name and make this world better. They're going to get into the tough places and and do right things. They're going to have integrity. Those are the people he wants. The rest of them, you know, they've decided to not be worthy because he's making a disciple. So that being said, I want to invite you. I don't know who you are right now. I don't know who I'm speaking to, who this message is going out to, but I want you to know that your life can mean something. Your life can mean something for eternity with Christ. Your life can be, you know, on, on the level that, that the world may not know who you are. But if you're famous with God, you're famous, man or woman. You, if you're famous with God if, God, if he's got your record, if he's playing your movie and sitting back, popping popcorn like look there check out my son check out my daughter over there wouldn't you rather have that person before you the scripture says if god before you who can be against you even if you lose your this life you're gonna die and we're all gonna die this is you you can't live here forever you're gonna check out of that body don't hold on to this world jesus said if anyone who would uh lose his life for my sake will find his life but anyone who will find his life instead of you know losing his life for me will lose it what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his only soul let me tell you there's only two places to go from here either you're going to go home with god or you're going to go to the place of judgment 
And so if you're listening to whoever's listening to this message right now, I just want to tell you, make sure that you turn your life over to Christ. Turn your life over to, to the only one who cares enough for you to give himself up and die for you in your place. Don't hold on to anything. I don't care if it's money. I don't care if it's people, relationships, whatever. Whatever you got to get rid of to come to Jesus, do it. Do it. It's just that worth it. And so I, I just want to give you an invitation right now. You know, if you if you don't know Christ, I want you to pray this prayer after me. I'm up at the end of my time, but I'm going to, you know, give this to you. Uh, dear Lord, Jesus, Yeshua. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you were born of virgin birth. I believe that you were uh, that you lived a perfect life, that you paid all the prices that God asked for. I believe that you were crucified and murdered and innocent, that you uh, were crucified and that you were uh, uh, in the tomb for three days and three nights. And that you uh, didn't see corruption and that you were raised to life eternally for me and that you are alive right now, that you didn't die uh, or that you were raised from the dead bodily. I believe that the Bible, whatever the Bible says about you is true. I accept that right now. And I place my life in your hands right now. Please forgive me. I'm a sinner. I've committed all kinds of sins that only I know. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Change me. Make me new. So if you prayed that prayer, I'm believing that God is going to meet you wherever you're at. So this is Apostle Dwayne. I'm getting ready to sign out. Make sure you go to my website, ApostleDwayne.com. I've got a book that I'm making available for free as soon as it comes out. It's called uh, God Wants You in Business for the Kingdom. Okay, that being said, I'll see you on Monday for Just Truth and success with Apostle Dwayne uh, starting at 730. All right. Thank you again for tuning into Shabbat with Apostle Dwayne. We hope that these messages are ministering to you and empowering you to make a difference in your life. Please don't forget to subscribe to our RSS feed so that you never miss a new episode. And don't forget to tell your family and friends. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you again next week.